sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159 is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here live on this Wednesday. Tons to get to over the course of these next two hours. We bring you until 11 a.m. Eastern time live right here on the grid. We are two days away from the start for the 2022 Fall Classic. The World Series begins in Houston on Friday. Where has the market moved in these few off days from Major League Baseball postseason action? We'll look at that and all of your opportunities to bet into the 2022 World Series in just a bit. The NBA rolls on, now officially into its second week of this regular season. And of course, we set the stage for week number seven of the National Football League. Here we are, nearly at the midway point of this NFL season, We're going to look at the big picture, the Super Bowl 57 odds and which teams have seen the most movement, both in a positive manner and a negative way so far this season. Let's start in the association last night, a matchup of two of the front runners out in the Western Conference. The Golden State Warriors going on the road for the first time this year into the Valley of the Sun against those Phoenix Suns. And the Dubs still booked as a point and a half favorite even on the road, but Being away from home, being away from California, not great for the reigning NBA champs last night. 134-105, the final in Phoenix. The Suns winning outright as a slight home underdog. Clay Thompson, not a great night. 0 for from 3, 0 of 5 from beyond the arc, and ejected for the first time in his career after getting into it a little bit with Devin Booker. And as Clay walked off the court, he pointed to his ring finger and said, I got four of these. I don't really care what you have to say, but Devin Booker last night, the leading scorer on both sides, 34 points for D-Book and a plus-minus of plus 32. So the last laugh, at least last night, goes to Devin Booker. So the first game for the Dubs on the road of the year, and they go down. Phoenix picking up a home win. Of course, a ton of focus on the guard position last night. Chris Paul on one side for Phoenix and Stephen Curry on the other side for Golden State. Steph Curry well under his points prop last night, only 21. It was Chris Paul who went over his points prop. It was booked minimally at 12 and a half, and he finishes with 16. Steph did have the better on his assist prop last night, eight going over five and a half, and Chris Paul just barely under. Always up there when they booked that at nine and a hook. Chris Paul still finishing with nine, just a dime away from a double-double. So these two teams should be in the Western Conference title race all season long, and they have been in these preseason odds. Now into the regular season here for this opening week. It's the Clippers that have moved as the favored side in the Western Conference, plus 270. It was the Warriors who were 10 cents ahead of those clips before the year got underway. Now Golden State, the second best price at plus 280. And Phoenix rounds out the top three at 5-1, to one, but over $2 of drop-off from the price that you see on the dubs. The Clippers in action last night as well. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George for L.A., 
and they lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder. The line worked down prior to tip when we learned of the injury report for Los Angeles, but the clip still booked as a 6.5.7 point favorite, and Oklahoma City picks up its first win of this season. But here's the thing about the Thunder. They are incredibly competitive and very, very good against the spread. The second-best cover team in all of the NBA a season ago, covering in 61.5% of their games, just 1-3 straight up this year, but already 3-1 ATS all four games booked as an underdog. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the opening hour of the morning after live on this Wednesday, all across the grid in Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Looking at the action last night on a Tuesday night slate around the association. Today is Wednesday. It is officially the second week of this NBA regular season. Out in the Western Conference, the LA Clippers remain the favorites at plus 270, just 10 cents in front of the reigning Western Conference champs and the reigning NBA title winners in the Golden State Warriors at a plus 280 price. Golden State in its first road game of the year, going down in Phoenix last night to the Suns, who won by nearly 30 points, 134-105. As you go down this list a little bit, though, there's a couple of teams out West that are slated to make some noise this year in the Western Conference. That would be the Dallas Mavericks, of course, led by Luka Doncic and the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that a lot of people feel very optimistic about so far this year, and rightfully so. New Orleans is 3-1 after a 113-111 victory last night as a home underdog in the Big Easy against the Dallas Mavericks. That line closing somewhere around four and a half points. It was no Zion Williamson, no Brandon Ingram, who is in concussion protocol for the Pels, and they still find a way to win. All five starters for New Orleans scoring in double figures. Eight of the nine players who saw court action last night for the Pels scoring in double digits. But Luka Doncic, a pretty big night as well. 37 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. And because of that, his odds to win the NBA MVP, despite the losing effort last night in the Big Easy, continued to grow shorter. It was plus 440 yesterday, now under $4 for Luka. He is a plus 390 favorite to win the NBA MVP. The best bet on yesterday's show, our bye-bye-bye before we said farewell, was Luka Doncic to go over three and a half made three-pointers with a little bit of plus money to the over. It did not hit, but the cap... The cap was solid. I said the volume would be there. He attempted nine three-pointers in the first game, 10 in his second. He had 13 threes that he took last night, but he only made two of them. Hey, you got to look for volume sometimes when it comes to player props. We go to the World Series. Where has the market moved? With Joe Ranieri up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The World Series starts in just two days in Houston, Texas. The Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. Game number one in Houston on Friday night. Where has the market moved throughout these off days as we get ready for the 2022 Fall Classic? We haven't seen actual postseason baseball on the diamond since Sunday evening. So where have the odds changed in the last couple of days? That is the question we ask live right here on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. With the hardest working man in showbiz on the Spiz Grizz, it is Joe Ranieri pulling double and then triple duty today 
all across the grid. He was on the early line with Donnie Wright's side just a little bit ago. He joins us here for a few segments on the morning after, and then you will see that smiling face later tonight on In Game Live as well. Joe Ranieri, we look forward to the World Series. How would you describe your excitement level for the 2022 Fall Classic? Oh, it was great. Um, but that was like, I don't know, five days ago. Like, are they still playing baseball down here? Like, what in the world is, I mean, honestly, it's like five days now. I don't know what Phillies team we're going to get. Are they still going right. to be hitting as hot as they were? Um, you know, what are the rotations going to be now? There's still so much, it feels like, that has happened since that last game to where we are right now. And we're still 24 hours away. Uh, from uh, from first pitch and a lot of questions uh, and I mean look at the marketplace here we're not the only ones with question the marketplace still has yeah. some questions as well here we still have some questions about who's going to get the start for the Phillies in game number one no starter named as of yet it will be Justin Verlander for the Houston Astros but Joe when the series outright price opened who was going to be the World Series champ the Astros were the favorites and pretty substantially so at sure. minus 180 to win the World Series outright. We have seen some movement work to the Strohs in this series price. It is now minus 190 for Houston to be your World Series champions. The Phillies remain the series underdogs at a longer number now at plus 165. So, Joe, we've seen some movement here in the past 48, 72 hours. How do you evaluate these numbers for the series outright price? I think they're about right, given now that we've had, uh, what, uh, you know, we've had a, a couple of different series now in the postseason to figure out who these teams are right now. And that's really the big question here, Ben. Doesn't matter what they were in June. It matters what they have been over the last uh, month. You've got an Astros team that's only hitting uh, 227 as a team in the postseason uh, going up against... Uh, well, Bryce Harper, pretty much, because uh, uh, what he is doing here in uh, October is nothing short of just ridiculous. Uh, Bryce Harper is having the kind of series right now that could win a championship for a team by himself. Yep. That is how unbelievably dominant he has been here, guys, hitting oh, well over 400 uh, in the playoffs time and time again when they need a hit. He is the guy. I think the pitching matchups here are going to be so important. Who is it? Is it Ver? We know it's Verlander, right? So yep. are you going Nola? Are you going Wheeler? Because anybody after that is anybody's guess. But I think it has never been more important for the Phillies to get off right now and win game one against Verlander to set this tone. If they're going to have a, a chance at sending this to six or seven games, it's got to be game one that they have to take down. And uh, I'm going to be real interested to see the decision on either Wheeler or Nola. I think it's six and one half, but it'll be interesting to see what they think. In two of the three series the Phillies have played so far throughout this National League postseason, it has been Zach Wheeler to get the nod from Rob Thompson and make that game one start. So let's go there first and foremost. Game number one, as of right now, of course, the Astros, the series favorites to win the World Series and a game number one favorite with Justin Verlander on the bump. But you mentioned how important this was, Joe, in terms of winning game number one, if Philly can steal one on the road like they did in the National League Championship Series. There is that market available for who wins game number one and what it means for the rest of the series. So how important 
is that game one winner and what it means for how long the World Series goes and ultimately who is the champion in Major League Baseball? I think it's huge because I do think Philadelphia is going to have a decided advantage in Philadelphia, Ben. I think when, you know, it, I don't know if you guys have looked outside, and I know you, uh, Ben, you're in that part of the uh, country. Yep. It's ass cold, people, all right? This is not Minute Maid ballpark. This is not going to be a situation where it's going to be nice and cozy and comfy like Houston is used to. Th that Philadelphia fan base, that ballpark, and how well Philadelphia has responded to those fans in that ballpark. I think it's advantage Philadelphia, which is why it is so important that they get at least one and preferably beat the big bad wolf. You gotta handle Verlander. If you handle Verlander like Seattle did, all right, uh, and the Yankees struck out a whole bunch of times, but it wasn't like he was totally dominated. He, you know, this Philadelphia team put the ball in play, good things will happen. Uh, and they can hit the long ball in smaller ballparks right now. I think the home runs are going to be plentiful in this series. As long as they have more of them and they go at least 1-1 back to Philadelphia, it's advantage Philadelphia. It's huge to win one of these two games. And there is value because of that. For Philly to win game number one and then ultimately mm -hmm. win the series, it's 3-1. For Philly to win game one but Houston to respond – it's the third mm -hmm. most likely outcome at plus 420. So let's look at that series correct score, Joe, that we flashed up there just a few minutes ago. In the championship series, in the American League, it was a four-game sweep by the Astros mm -hmm. of the New York Yankees. In the NLCS, it was only five games between Philadelphia and San Diego. Do you think we will see a longer World Series than we did in the CSs in both leagues? I think you've got a better chance of this going six or seven, provided it splits early on. If they go back to Philadelphia down 2-0, it's over in five. It's that simple. Philadelphia's best chance is to win one of these first two games, preferably the first. And if that's the case and you've got Wheeler coming back on game four and then short rest for a possible game seven, because who are we talking after Wheeler and Nola? Suarez, Ranger Suarez, we're Gibbs, it gets a little dicey uh, at right. that point. But you know what? It's not exactly uh, a bed of roses there for Houston either. So the obviously, it's extremely important to Philadelphia to get off in the right foot. But here's the problem, Ben. It's been five days. That, that Philadelphia lineup was so locked in on that series with the Padres. It's been five days. Are they still locked in? They better be locked in against Verlander. Uh, and if they are, good things are coming for Philadelphia by the time they get home here for a couple of games. Joe, I would agree with you. I think the Houston Astros have a slight pitching advantage, especially with more depth in that starting rotation. But you mentioned how strong Bryce Harper has been throughout this postseason. When you look at the importance of the long ball and who might hit the most of them in the World Series, Joe, who do you give the edge to from that offensive lineup perspective? Well, I mean, let's face it. They have hit, Phillies have hit 16 home runs right now. The Astros have hit 12 in the postseason in seven games, right? Um, and we also know that about 47% of all runs scored in the postseason coming from the long ball. Here's another interesting stat, guys. Uh, the team that hits more home runs, 20 and 5 in this postseason here. So the long ball is a huge part of, of who's going to decide who's going to win this or not. And quite honestly, if that listed you, Hoskins, Harper, Schwarber, 
Um, I only see a couple of guys at the top there for Houston, and Alvarez hasn't hit water uh, if he fell out of a boat since the Seattle series. So, I, But smaller ballparks, to me, I think it's advantage. Home run ball, absolutely Schwarber, Harper, and Hoskins there. you got to keep an eye on them. Three of those five best prices playing for Philadelphia. And Bryce Harper has been unreal. He has been brilliant in this postseason on the biggest stage of his career. Five home runs in October, 11 RBIs in the postseason. In nine of the 11 games Philadelphia has played Joe Ranieri, Bryce Harper has at least one extra base hit. So that's how the market has moved in the World Series. How about for Super Bowl 57 in the NFL? We discuss that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Wednesday live right here on the morning app. On Wednesdays throughout football season, it's the middle of the week. It gives us a time to reset and take a big picture view of the National Football League. And we're almost at the halfway point of this NFL regular season with week eight on the horizon. So where have we seen the biggest odds changes as it pertains to winning Super Bowl 57 and hoisting that Lombardi trophy from both a positive and negative regression standpoint? Let's look at it right now in Market Movers. Joe Ranieri live with us here on the morning after for a second consecutive segment on this Wednesday. And Joe, if you're a team that plays in the NFC, more than likely your odds to win Super Bowl 57 have moved back. They have become longer from where they were in the preseason. So the column on the left is of August 30th, after the preseason was done, but before the regular season in 2022 in the NFL got started. The Buffalo Bills were the favorites before everything got underway and the markets continue to circle the wagon. Six to one, over $3 of movement in Buffalo's favor. It's now plus 270. But the Bucks, oh boy, they have moved back by more than double. The Rams, the reigning Super Bowl winners, oh boy, they have moved back by more than double. The biggest bit of movement here, the Packers, from 12 to one to 33 to one, at least from an NFC perspective. And if you had a Super Bowl ticket on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, burn it. Rip it and never tell anybody you made that bet. 120 to 1 now from 17 to 1 in the preseason. But the Eagles and the Vikings, these are the two teams mainly, Joe, that within the NFC have seen market movement in their favor. Philly was plus 2,500. Now the second best price at plus 550. Minnesota, 40 to 1. Cut that price by more than half, 16 to 1. As we get ready for week number eight, the Birds, of course, the last unbeaten in the NFL, a perfect 6-0. Minnesota also off the bye at 5-1 and holding on to first place within the NFC North. So, Joe, let's start in the NFC because we have seen go things go from bad to worse for Tampa, Green Bay, and even the reigning Super Bowl champs in the L.A. Rams. Which number is most concerning to you? Well, the, I mean, there should be a lot of concern there. The two teams on the bottom there, that being the Eagles and Minnesota on that list, it, it's amazing, Ben. What that list tells me is that outside of Buffalo, the market 
could not have been more wrong about what they thought they were getting um, this year. It is kind of uh, nauseating. And by the way, Denver Bronco fans, too late. We already know you bought those tickets because you told us all summer long how you were going to win with Russell Wilson. And the, uh, Please, stop it. Uh, the Eagles, we thought, would be good. I mean, their win total told us that they were going to be somewhere up top right. there with Dallas, right? Uh, Minnesota, the question marks around Green Bay were always there, but we had a new coach. You still got Kurt Cousins. So I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, they were wrong with how far a shot they would have uh, to actually win the whole thing. But now I'm afraid we might have gone a little bit too crazy here with the Eagles in Minnesota at those prices there, Ben. Uh, but the Rams, yeesh. Uh, it's not a big movement, but yeah, no. Um, anybody think, I mean, the best team out of the West is, yeah, it should be the 49ers, right? Uh, it yeah. should be, but yep. the problem is they still have Jimmy G. They've got a mediocre quarterback game manager at best with a million and one weapons. Uh, you've got a Rams team who's got no running game uh, and an aging quarterback quickly. Green Bay, they're going to lose by 30 uh, this Sunday night, and then we don't ever have to talk about them again as long as we live. And Tampa Bay, come on. let's Now Tom Brady has got to go on a short week at 65 years old. Um, he's got a chance. He can't be up past 9 o'clock. This is just a terrible spot uh, for Tampa with Todd Bowles, unfortunately, um, he inherited an absolute train wreck there. None of those teams are going to get any better. The Eagles and the Vikings, just by simply being that much better than what we thought they were going to be to begin with, they're leading the way here. And it's crazy, Ben, how much mediocre football we have in the NFC. Joe, it is really wild, especially with those front runners and the guys we have known for a very long time, both playing quarterback, both wearing number yep. 12. And the idea still probably somewhere out there that, hey, they're going to turn it around. Aaron Rodgers is going to figure it out. Those young wide receivers will do something. And maybe Tom Brady is cursed by Giselle, but he'll be back out there. And maybe Gronk comes week number 12 and they figure something out. This could be, if you feel that way, I'm not sure I do, at least from an investment standpoint, this could be your opportunity to buy back in with at least better value from a payout perspective, although it is a tougher pill to swallow because it is interesting Joe mm -hmm. when you look at Philadelphia the favorites in the NFC two to one the Vikings are tied for the second best price plus 650 four and a half dollars behind the birds but they're tied for the second best number with the Dallas Cowboys the Bucks are tied at the fourth best price alongside the Niners both at seven to one but when you look at teams from the NFC right now in the odds to win Super Bowl 57 in Glendale in February the Niners have the second best price. It's the Eagles at plus 550. And yes, San Francisco has a far drop off from that price at 15 to 1. But that should tell you the market thinks favorably of Kyle Shanahan and even Jimmy Garoppolo with how much talent is in SF to make some noise in the postseason, as we have seen for the Niners in two of the past three years. A Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl 54, a loss to the Chiefs, and of course being right there on the brink a season ago in the NFC Championship game. So something to keep in mind for a team you don't see on our market movers board, but certainly out of the NFC, the Niners yep. could provide that optimism because of so much uncertainty around teams at the top. And the Eagles, Joe, deserve to be there in my opinion, but you are right to have questions because we haven't seen Jalen Hurts or Nick Sirianni 
win one playoff game so far in nope. their NFL careers. Joe, you mentioned mm-hmm. Sunday night in Buffalo, New York. Western New York, the wagons will be circled, and good luck to anybody trying to buy a table on Sunday. The Buffalo Bills host the Green Bay Packers. The Buffalo Bills, where the market loves Buffalo at all points, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The reason that is so significant, this is the first time in nearly two decades of Aaron Rodgers' NFL career he has been booked as a double-digit underdog. Joe, did you ever think you would see the day that a Green Bay Packers team led by number 12, Aaron Rodgers, would be a double-digit underdog? 234 consecutive starts, regular season and postseason, Ben. Never was he even close. Well, he was close three times uh, where it was more than a touchdown. Seven and a half, I think. Eight, eight and a half. Uh, how did those work out? Yeah, he got blown out in all of them, and they didn't cover. So if if a dude who's a quarterback goes 234 consecutive games, Ben, not being uh, a double-digit underdog, and the three times that he was at least more than a touchdown dog didn't work out, what, what do you think the market's telling you about this game? Uh, this is not going to end well at all for Aaron Rodgers, and he knows it, too, if you're watching his press conferences and the things coming out of his mouth he's already laying the foundation of going after um you know management here and he's kind of pointing the finger already at hey listen the jets are a running team they lost their running back they went out 24 hours later got a running back dallas is trying to bolster their defensive line to be better against the run what the hell is green bay doing right now here ben i ask you besides getting blown out by 30 this weekend in orchard park I don't know, maybe waiting for OBJ to come back from his torn ACL. (laughs) I have no idea why they are not trying to find reinforcements. And you're right, Joe. Aaron Rodgers is saying those things in his Aaron Rodgers-veiled way. He was discussing Mm -hmm. mental mistakes that the Packers made this past weekend against the Commanders. Said he saw about 12 of them in film review. And for these young guys that are making those mistakes, they shouldn't play, is what he said. They should not have the opportunity. We need to trim the roster. That is what Aaron Rodgers is saying, and he wants command of what those decisions are within the Green Bay front office. A 10.5 point off. Joe, we showed you the movement on the Denver Broncos. The most substantial negative regression in the Super Bowl odds we have seen this year. 17 to 1 before the year got started, now 120 to 1. The Denver Broncos take a trip across the pond to take on London's NFL team the Jacksonville Jaguars, early on Sunday morning. They're a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, Joe. The Denver Broncos are a a two-and-a-half-point underdog to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, we are not going to invest on the Broncos in any futures market, Joe, but how do you approach Russ and the Broncos on a week-to-week basis? I uh, try to sleep in and never, ever pretend this game is being played. That's what I try to do. Yeah, I made the comment the other uh, this week here, Ben, that it, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to handicap stupidity. And right now what we have in some coaches, especially these young ones, um, is absolute head-scratching moves where it looks like they're above their head. Uh, Hackett is one of them, okay? And, oh, yeah, uh, Doug Peterson, who should know better, uh, is another one of them. Uh, it flies in the face of everything that is good about coaching over the uh, over the centuries in the NFL, and these guys are burning it to the ground. I can't tell you what to expect, other than I know 
when teams go across the pond, if you're a favorite, um, at least if you're a favorite of a field goal or more, you're going to win this game. Um, I think Jacksonville should win this game. Does that mean Doug Peterson's going to opt to kick a field goal and not go for it on fourth and eight? Probably not, Ben. So I am not going anywhere near this game. $103 of negative movement against the Denver Broncos from the start of this season. Joe Ranieri, get a nap in. We'll see you tonight on In Game Live. You are the best. We go college football with Connor O'Gara up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. During Halloween weekend in college football, things can get a little bit spooky. It's the final Saturday in the month of October on the horizon, week number nine of this college football campaign. Helping us break it all down live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after, it is Connor O'Gara, a senior national football columnist for Saturday Down South, joining us here on TMA. Connor, we're going to have some fun here looking at the SEC Saturday slate. A couple of huge games, some rivalries around the Southeastern Conference and some big coaching questions that we have at this moment as well. Connor, thank you for joining us here on the morning after. Good to be here. I, I'm a big fan of spooky season. I'm a big fan of the playoff ranking show, which next Tuesday, we are less than a week away. We get to do the weekly uh, playoff discussion that uh, nobody really has any specific answers to, but it's really fun to argue about it. And that to mm -hmm. me is what makes this sport so beautiful in the month of November. Six days away from the first unveiling of the 2022 college football playoff rankings. Connor O'Gara, oftentimes last year, played our committee member to give us what he thought the six would be from the CFP selection committee and what those six should be. And Connor O'Gara was also here a couple of times throughout the summer months. And there was a ton of optimism about the team that entered the year in the AP poll ranked number six in the country with the sixth best national championship odds and a win total of eight and a half and the over had the juice at minus 170 that team would be texas a&m led by jimbo fisher yet here we are connor entering week number nine of the college football season and a&m is just three and four this year they have a single win in the sec they are three and four against the spread and they are the worst scoring offense in all of the south Eastern Conference. So there has been some fodder the last couple of days in looking at Jimbo Fisher's large and fully guaranteed contract. Could AM boosters get enough money to actually fire Jimbo Fisher when his buyout and what would be owed to him is still $86 million? So, Connor, I ask you, because you have the pulse on this entire contract situation, is it realistic to think Jimbo Fisher could be fired at the end of this year? I'll say it in Spanish for you. No, it's not. It's not. And look, I keep the numbers right here sitting on my desk. Yes, that's an Iowa notepad. Make sure we get mm. that on camera right there. 
I wrote these yeah. out over the summer just in case I felt impulsive enough to say, you know what, AM needs to move on from Jimbo Fisher. Never mind the fact that it'd be four times as much as Gus Malzahn's buyout, the $21.5 million that Auburn paid him to not work, money in which he is basically just sitting there on just sitting there doing, you know, whatever he wants to down here in my neck of the woods in Orlando at UCF, just kind of chilling, doing his thing. And Jimbo right. Fisher getting paid $86 million not to coach. I don't think that's in the cards. I don't. Now, has Jimbo Fisher lived up to that contract? No. Despite him trying to tell everybody that they are just a few plays away from being undefeated right now, Jimbo Fisher is not. The thing that frustrates me so much is that we came into the season praising him, saying, well, they just have, they just signed this historic recruiting class. They're going to get an upgrade at the quarterback position. They're going to be better. You know they have a chance to win the national championship, according to a certain Desmond Howard, according to people that were willing to rank them in the top four, top five, top six. But Jimbo Fisher was a guy that was coaching a program that hadn't played in the conference championship game in the 21st century, was eight and four last year, lost his defensive coordinator, who was the heart and soul of that team. Mike Elko is now doing good things over at Duke, lost that entire defensive line, wasn't guaranteed a, a an upgrade at the quarterback position just because they brought in Max Johnson, who had the most casual 27 to 16 DINT ratio in the history of college football. And just because they brought back Keynes King, who had five quarters of action last year, and we sold ourselves on this belief that AM was going to be better just because they hadn't won a national championship since 1939. It was foolish. It was silly. And I hope those who said, oh, A&M, this is their time. I hope they take a long look in the mirror and realize Jimbo Fisher's not that good of a football coach anymore. It's as simple as that. Because, Connor, when you look at Jimbo Fisher, Jimbo Fisher is here, and he has sold himself as an offensive mastermind and one that can recruit at the highest level. There was a war of words that we all remember back in the middle of May between Nick Saban, Jimbo's former boss, and Jimbo himself, where Nick insinuated that Jimbo Fisher bought the best-ever recruiting class in the history of college football since we have started tracking those things. And Jimbo did not like being called a cheat, but he wasn't cheating. This is the NIL era. He was working within the loose guidelines that we have that was the best ever recruiting class but the three prior to this one in 2022 were all top 10 classes as well so there should be some talent yet three of those freshmen from the top ever rated recruiting class are now suspended indefinitely for violating program guidelines so connor when you look at that 21.9 points per game averaged by texas a&m this year what is the stat that you have for us and what does it say about that offensive mastermind in jimbo well, usually when one goes eight consecutive games against Power 5 competition without hitting 25 points, that's considered a bad thing. That's considered a moment in which a play caller, even one who has roughly six different play sheets, the reading glasses, the sweatshirt with the Times New Roman font that was look, that looked like it was bought at a gas station. Shout out Peter Burns for that. Um, usually that person takes a long look in the mirror and says, ah, I got to fix my offense. Jimbo Fisher is probably not that person because he's still got $86 million left on that contract after this year. But that offense is stagnant. And if you want to say, well, you know, we had injuries here, we had injuries there. They had one significant injury. It was Anaya Smith. They lost their go-to receiver. They were still way too thin at that position to play college football in the year of our Lord 2022. So this idea that AM kind of got robbed here, they got robbed there one play away. No, 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 no. And if you wanted a pass interference call on that last play of the game against Alabama, cool. a and you get the ball at the one-yard line, turn it over to Jimbo Fisher to try and make another play call. Let's see if you can get a touchdown there. I don't want to put my money where Jimbo Fisher is, all right? I just don't. And that's what AM yeah. boosters are being forced to do. But, yeah, their offense is – it's a joke. I mean, they have no offensive explosion outside of Devon A-Chain, who's a tailback. 
who's running behind a bad offensive line. This is this is a situation that has gone from bad to worse, in case you can't tell from the tone of my voice. Yeah, absolutely so. And again, it's an $86 million buyout if they want to fire Jimbo Fisher at the end of this year. We have seen ridiculous numbers in terms of buyouts in college football the last few seasons. Nebraska paid Scott Frost $15 million to fire him just a few days before that buyout would have dropped in half. But $86 million is just bad business and really bad optics. Connor, you don't sound too optimistic that things will change or things will be fixed offensively for AM at least entering a Saturday night in College Station. But the line is only two and a half in favor of Ole Miss, who entered last weekend as an undefeated team, suffering their first loss against LSU. It's a two and a half point spread in favor of the Rebs on the road in College Station on Saturday night, Connor. The odds would say this game is going to be competitive. What do you say? This actually should be a competitive game in theory. But the vibes right now at AM just couldn't be worse. They really couldn't. And I think that if you're betting on AM to to win this football game, you're doing so just because you think Ole Miss is suddenly a fraud. And I would argue that Ole Miss in the second half of that game against LSU, that situation was uh, that was going to be an uphill climb for them once they lost AJ Finley, who was playing at an All SEC level, and then Troy Brown, their stud transfer linebacker, and then they were playing that game without Zach Evans, the TCU transfer running back as well, who was like a late scratch with a knee thing. So. If they're actually healthy in that game, College Station, they can win that game by two touchdowns easily. They absolutely can. I don't know how much that home field advantage really makes that much of a difference when Appalachian State can go into there and be able to, to win in front of 100,000 people. So I wouldn't necessarily point to that as some ultimate like uh, determining factor. I think Ole Miss can still run the football on a team that might not be engaged. And that's the bigger issue is we know this Ole Miss rushing attack is really, really good because even if Zach Evans isn't at 100%, Quinshawn Judkins has been a revelation as a true freshman there. And Jackson Dart, he does some frustrating things throwing the football, but he can still be used as a runner. So I think that Ole Miss is able to cover that spread. I wouldn't be surprised to see that line move a little bit more in favor of Ole Miss as well. If we find out more about those injuries on the defensive side of the football, that's going to push me even further in that direction. So let's go from where the vibes are bad to where they remain at an all-time high. The cigar smoke is still being puffed on Rocky Top. It's a top-20 tilt between number 3 Tennessee and 19th-ranked Kentucky. Connor, the Volunteers, a 12.5-point favorite for this huge showdown in the SEC East on Saturday evening. As you break down this game between the Cats and the Vols, what do you think is a key matchup we all need to keep an eye on? Yeah, I think Kentucky covers this spread. I, I do. I think this is a tricky spot for Tennessee with Georgia next week and with what Kentucky does well. If their receivers are healthy, they have three receivers, all new faces on that program this year. They lose Wandell Robinson, the Nebraska transfer, who was one of the better one-and-dones in terms of transfers in recent memory. And then they replace him with a guy with the same last name, Tavion Robinson from, from Virginia Tech, who's been really, really good in the slot for them when healthy. And then Barry and Brown and Dane Key, they're two true freshmen studs who can change the game and that Tennessee passing defense is bad they're 129 in the country right now Kentucky can throw the football Will Levis stealing with a shoulder injury he's got the turf toe he's probably got some banged up ribs too but I think they can go into Rocky Top and make that a 60 minute football game now I know Tennessee gets Cedric Tillman back at least that's what's expected in this one and he was their number one receiver coming into the year Jalen Hyatt has just been an all-american type player so far he's probably scored another touchdown by the time I finish this sentence but I, I do think this is a game that Kentucky can actually stay on the field with Tennessee 
I think they make some year-to-year adjustments after they really saw the full hand and hooker arsenal last year in that game in Lexington, a shootout, a 45-42 to game that was just thrilling. So I think Kentucky goes in there and maybe loses that game by like three points, similar to last year, but obviously it would have a much different vibe given what Tennessee has done so far. And speaking of that first Saturday in November for Tennessee against Georgia, the Volunteers go from a 12-and-a-half-point favorite as of right now against Kentucky. The early look-ahead line against the Dogs in Athens, 12-and-a-half points, but Tennessee the underdog. Now let's go to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That would be in Jacksonville, Florida, for the matchup between Florida and number one Georgia. A historic line in this rivalry, Connor, 22-and-a-half in favor of UGA. It is more than three touchdowns. It is a very big spread. If the dogs are going to cover a 22 and a half point spread, how do Kirby and the boys get it done? I actually find myself, speaking of cocktails, I I find myself sipping the Florida Kool-Aid more and more for this match. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win this game outright. Let's not get too crazy. But all the pressure is finally off Florida in this game. And expectations are really, really low. With two weeks to be able to prepare for this matchup, this is a much different spot than last year, wherein Dan Mullen decided, ah, Anthony Richardson, let's give you your first career start against arguably the best defense of the 21st century and see how that works out. Well, it worked out with him turning the football over three times in the last two and a half minutes of the first half. That was all she wrote. I was at that game. That swung quicker than any game I think I have ever seen. It was Mm -hmm. unbelievable. And that's because you have Anthony Richardson making these mistakes. Now, he could still make some mistakes in this game, but I think he's going to be able to make some plays. I really do. And I might regret saying that. And I might be saying this in part because I've been a little bit kind of meh on this Georgia offense the last few weeks. But I do think that Florida is able to stay within three touchdowns of Georgia. I mean, that's all we're talking about here. You give me 22, 22 and a half. I'll take Florida to be able to cover that spread. All right, so the first college football playoff rankings of the year come out on Tuesday night. Connor, quickly here, only about 30 seconds left. As we look at the odds, Georgia has the best price at minus 900 to make the CFP. Alabama favored to do so as well, and Tennessee just on the outside looking in. Give us a percentage chance that the SEC could realistically send three teams to the college football playoff. I'm going to say like 5%. I don't think they're going to let that happen. I think they would hear about that for too long. I think Tennessee, the plus money is really interesting. And I think Alabama is really interesting. I think Tennessee is going to be Georgia. So that's kind of where I fall with that. And I think we get a Tennessee-Alabama rematch. He has said that since the summer months. Connor O'Gara, thank you very much for your time. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one the morning after live right here on this Wednesday all across the Sports Grid Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Week number eight of the National Football League season is on the horizon. It starts tomorrow, actually, in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers, an underdog at home with Tom Brady as their quarterback hosting the Baltimore Ravens just the sixth time since Tom has been in Tampa. The Bucs have been booked as an underdog. Two teams that continue to be booked as underdogs despite well over 500 winning records 
The two teams that play their football in New Jersey but have New York in their titles. That would be the New York Giants and the New York Jets. The Jets, 5-2 and two this year. The Giants, 6-1 and one this year. Can both of these teams or at least one of them make the playoffs? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. So who has the better chance of making the postseason as we stand here following seven weeks of this NFL season? That was the question to the public. Who's got the better shot? And right now, most of the public going with the New York Giants. It makes sense. Big Blue is 6-1 and one, as opposed to Gang Green, who is 5-2. And, and at least the path still as of right now in the NFC seems a little bit more open up in the air, perhaps, for the Giants as opposed to the Jets in the AFC that we still believe is more competitive. 80% of the vote going with the New York Giants over the New York Jets at this moment. And the playoff odds of the FanDuel Sportsbook agree with you as well. The Giants, a minus 290 favorite. Minus 290 to get into the postseason. That is a team that is going to be a playoff contender for sure. The New York Jets still would be on the outside looking in according to the odds. To make the postseason for Gang Green and Robert Sala, it's plus 140. So the odds in the public in agreement, but don't count out the New York Jets as of right now. I don't think the AFC is as good as we expected it to be. Our number two of the morning after is up next following a Sports Grid News update from Alex Masano.